0: Hi, I'm Scott, and I'm Seth, and I'm Becky, and I'm Brian, and we are track walking, and Becky and I are sharing a headset,
1: and it's, it's real awkward. I hope Scott does a screen grab of what's going on, because it's like the most adorable thing. I should. They, they look like 17-year-olds like sitting in high school, like sharing music with each other, just sort of like smashing their heads together. It's so cute. Smooshing. Smooshing? Smooshing? Is that what the her. kids do these
0: days? <laughs> no, that's that's smashing for sure. <laughs> um probably oh, okay. not anymore because by the time I'm aware of something, that's definitely not a thing anymore. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. So tonight uh we asked um Becky and Brian to come on the show and uh kinda talk about talk about the season. And uh
1: how how the race carring went.
0: that kind of thing.
1: Two Be, of the very, very important parts of Robertson racing um that aren't Scott. right.
0: Yeah, yeah. I' get
1: his view about all sorts of stuff and I'm whatever. I'm with
0: but one leg of the tripod. Yeah. And it's not actually a tripod anymore because we got Tim, yeah, we, we got gross. Chandler.
2: <laughs> Yeah, there's there's other
3: tentacles there. These are the drivers of Robertson Racing plus Seth.
0: Oh, sick burn! Wow, I know that was harsh. <laughs> See how she singled you out immediately. I know,
1: like 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 not really a driver. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fair, fair. cruel <laughs> but fair. <laughs>
0: so Brian, let's uh, let's start with you since you. Uh, I don't know. You're in Texas.
2: <laughs> uh, what you just made me go last in the intro.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you're all warmed up, ready to go. Perfect. You go. Yeah, you just had to pee, so you're uh, you should be good. But we, uh, so at the end of last year, you had raced a few races of uh, of GLTC. Uh, Nola was your first one, and um, you had done the midwest festival which was at the end of the year that year and you had done some other ones last year what what other races did you do last year
2: road america three Two. weeks before that and then coda a lot of weeks before that that's right
0: yeah you almost had the season book ended. and um at the end of that season you know you you were kind of talking about you know that you know it's It was good to race and, you know, it was good to uh, hang out with us and paddock and stuff like that, but, you know, you didn't really know anybody and you were kind of tossing around going back to, like, Honda Challenge or something like that. And Becky and I were like, well, I mean, we like hanging out with you. Why don't you just, like, come hang out with us, like, as a thing? And... Damn, you're on the team, like pre- pretty much like that. <laughs> it's, we set a very high bar around here, so
2: Thank I was you. gonna say I don't think I was hired based on my driving ability or um, sponsor deals or uh, I, pro- I felt like I was probably just hired for the my four legged friend that I carry with, around with me to I mean, track.
0: for sure. Get get it for sure for, because it's a dog. Stop it, Seth. You know that's funny. Um, <laughs> So, what um, uh, I don't know, how did that how did that transition from that uh, last year to this year go for you?
2: It was fast. Uh, good, overall good. Uh, there was a lot of other things that happened besides that that just kind of made it seem like a everything kind of happened at once. But I would say overall it was it was awesome. I don't it just seems crazy to think back that I was driving around the country and doing a race every two weeks with the dog and the car. Like that just seems like a distant reality at this point after, uh, doing it more, more better with y'all like more appropriate, <laughs> more, more betterer. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good point. Just over a year ago was the first time we towed to the track and not long after you started as well. Like, that was all kind of in the same, same breadth. Cause you towed to Midwest Festival.
2: Yeah. First tow was to AMP this year. And then second was to Midwest Fest. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So like
0: we, we all kind of like took the plunge of, um, of, uh, street driving versus, um, just hold,
1: just hold the thing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> So Brian,
1: you do you think the transition to from driving to the track to towing was positive?
2: Yes and no.
1: Expand. Go further. <laughs> yeah,
2: talk <Entertainment>. about that. <laughs> yes, because that's what normal people do. Uh and when things go wrong, um Assuming you can pop the axe a new axle in from another co driver in the paddock, you can drive the car back up and you can go home as you came. Um, no, in the fact that it requires you to somewhat take it more seriously and you know, put a little more pressure on yourself. I feel like you know, it's I have an open trailer, so I don't feel like I'm too serious, but it definitely ups the uh, the effort that you're putting in, even though it has nothing to do with what you're doing on the track for sure. Does
1: it feel a little bit less spur of the moment? Like just throwing all your stuff into the civic and driving to a race has a loose and wild and free feeling. And trailering is like so planned and formal and yeah. That sort of
2: thing. It goes along with you know, this is also my first year of doing the gold pass of signing up for races in advance. So the trailer and you know, actually having deadlines and pressure to be at races because you signed up for them i mean you can always sell your ticket but those two things is like wow this is not i mean the year before i literally found a cool airbnb between colorado and kansas and i was like yeah i'll go to alpine fest and then i'll go to topeka and, and midwest era uh, mid-ohio and that was just spur of the moment throw everything in the car and go so this actually like planning out a whole year having the right equipment to do it And, uh, you know, all the other official things like being on a professional team, such as Robertson racing, you know, definitely, (laughs) definitely, uh, put some pressures on your shoulder for sure.
0: That's interesting. So preparation stresses you
2: out a lot. That's interesting. Especially car preparation. (laughs) Yeah.
0: We'll get to that. um, so with all this preparation and all the changes and things like that, um, we plan and get to AMP, where you actually do the test day before the weekend, which is definitely the professional thing to do. <laughs> which is definitely the try hard, try hard way, and it started off as a pretty good weekend. You well, you should talk about that.
2: I'll have you know that that wasn't a try hard. That was, that was um crisis aversion of new brand new motor in the car. Oh
0: yeah. I kind of remember that. Uh, so
2: that was just like, it's been so long.
0: <laughs>
2: I know it feels much, much longer ago than March. This has been a season. Yeah. Um Most, I don't know about you guys. This is my most events I've ever done in a season two. And that, because there was so much that happened between now and then, March. It almost feels like it was last season. Um But yeah, that was, that was, I signed up for the test day to make sure that the new motor was not going to blow up. I'd never put a new motor in a car before, so I had no idea what to expect.
0: And this, and I'm, I'm just now realizing that we did skip ahead because Coda was before this. And at yep. Coda, which is literally in your backyard, Coda didn't go very well again nope (laughs) which which is funny because it's by far the closest event to you and has never really gone your
2: way nope and this year it's probably not going to either it's just elusive it's right there like i can look out the window and i can see it and it's so far (laughs) yeah
0: that's fair we'll get there (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because at Coda, you end up killing a clutch. Um or was it a throw out bearing or something?
2: It was the outer plate had cracked on, yeah, that's on right. the clutch. There, yeah. yeah. Bizarre failure. It was yeah. really
0: weird. And so James Morgan, who blasted down there just to pick up a van and get out, all of a sudden spent like eight hours at the track fixing your crap
2: that poor guy Nice. <laughs> we spent all day and then you know we went and got did a, a taco break which was probably the best part of the weekend to be honest was yeah. just sitting with him you know someone i don't ever get to hang out with here in texas and just having tacos at my local taco you know truck over there then i went back to the track and he was just so out of it like i had to finish you know the job and put everything away because he was just like yeah he, he drove came. he drove straight through <laughs> yeah he was he was dead by that point yeah like Cause then we, we, had to load his van and there was so much going on that weekend. It was insane. And so that was from, you got, I remember you got
0: one lap of qualifying in, right? Is
2: no, no, yeah. no. Oh Is wait. It, You're thinking of uh, most yeah. yeah, think yeah. <laughs> did you, when did I, your clutch I, die? I think everything, I think it died in qualifying actually. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause then I missed race one. Yep. Yeah.
0: Race one and race two. As it,
2: I made race two is the only one I did a full race. That was the one I started from pit lane.
0: That's oh, that's right. That one. That one. Yeah. But behind the 500 horsepower
2: Corvette. <laughs> Who decided not to use any of the horsepowers to go when he was told to go. No, real, real Which jerk. Is... An old rally cross Brian, buddy. Brian
0: That's definitely crazy. bump drafted the guy in <laughs> in hot pit because he thought he was gonna go and he didn't go.
2: Yeah, you know what? I didn't put that on my incident report of the year. That was actually incident number one. That's how the year started. That yeah. that was kind of telling of how things were gonna go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Don't
2: don't catastrophize. I don't think it was Seth said I could be as grumpy as I want to. You you totally
0: so. can, but I'm definitely gonna play your foil. As,
2: <laughs> as Seth
0: does with me
1: constantly. Where he had like he had a series of catastrophes. Yeah. Like we don't even have I don't think we have enough time to talk about all of them if we want to talk to Becky. Because you if we go don't. through like not even I see you sequentially going through Brian's weekends here. There is literally no way we can we no, can I, just cover his catastrophes. Not even talk about the races.
0: Okay, okay. so Coda, you kill a clutch. <laughs> two races later, you kill your engine.
2: Yep. Okay. stock market.
0: AMP, you do the test day to make sure everything was fine. Everything going quite well until you decide to get real racy with me on the last lap in race two or
2: three. I think race three. I think two. Because I bowed out of race three and I didn't do race four. That was it. And ended up
0: breaking your exhaust. And then wrote... No, um, Midwest Festival, you decided to yeet off behind me uh, in five and six. That for sure happened. The rest of the weekend went okay, didn't it, though?
2: Yeah. You know, one of my most fond memories of the season was the fun race on Sunday. That was actually the most one of the best races I had this year.
0: Yeah. And what was after that? New Jersey? New Jersey. Jersey which
2: two thumbs up. Went
0: well. You actually yep. like pole position for race 4 with the invert. Yep. And got a bunch of top 10s and stuff. Um after that was your track day with your dad right before Lime Rock where on your first hot lap, you reset the front-wheel drive track record and then promptly hit a tiny tree. Yep. Um, Becky's, like, giggling over here next <laughs> to me.
3: I know it's a lot of mishaps, but I don't know, Brian. Brian. <laughs> It, they're just really funny some of them
2: so <laughs> well, we skipped over the whole transit ones that I, happened too i was going to say oh, we've oh, got oh, truck stuff to talk about oh here. i
0: know i know i'm just going through the things that are like easy to place yep. so then you had I to think f-
3: i think it's funnier now because like you're telling us about it and i can see your face and you're laughing and smiling about it too Heck. which <laughs>
0: He's trying not to cry right now. It's Um, so ridiculous. And so then you had to fix your car like as quick as you could to get to Lime Rock where Becky and I were supposed to be to help support you and we definitely were not. And then you had... And you had no ABS at Lime Rock too, right? No ABS. No ABS. And your throttle body had multiple mishaps. Yep. Um, Otherwise okay weekend but it was hot and you were kind of fried i was dead and then after that was heartland
2: yeah that yep. was
0: heartland where you you were just kind of mentally and emotionally checked out you just like wanted to do a few races have a good time and then that didn't end well <laughs> no. somebody somebody put their car into a uh, not car size space and uh basically put you sideways into the wall.
2: Yeah. And then Open we action.
0: And then we drank some beers.
2: <laughs> which yeah. is what I came to do that weekend anyways. Right. So Fair. Yeah.
1: And did your truck was it this during this season that the truck ate its transmission?
0: Which which yeah, one? Was- which transmission?
1: Did it Oh did <laughs> it ate a couple of them didn't it?
0: It did. It was the initial one, and that was because the toe button didn't work. Like, really?
2: That's what we're, we're you know, guessing, hypothesizing yeah. that it just finally had enough without using tow haul mode. But yeah. it had been in there for most of its life, anyway, so who really knows?
1: So, normal GM four speed stuff, it probably got hot and ate itself. Bingo. Yeah.
0: There was that, and then the guy who put it back together didn't screw one of the, or didn't tight one of the lines on tight enough?
2: All that work. Three days in Arkansas, and new transmission from wherever the heck they got it. Tearing up, putting all back in, putting the fluid back in. One little clip. One little clip on the transmission cooler that he forgot to put on.
0: Double-check your
1: work, kids. <laughs> um. Yeah, so that's fun. Racing sounds fun, Brian. Like you make this sound like a really good time.
2: It's it's a great way to spend money. (laughs) And time. (laughs) It's an easy
0: way to spend money, let's let's say that. (laughs) Um and Becky, you're uh, going into this season you were planning on No, wait. Seth, this is your job.
1: Yeah, I was I was just about to, to transition to Becky here and talk about the fact that uh going into the season, the big deal this year was you had um purchased your Mazda 2.
3: That's correct.
1: And the the focus for the Mazda 2 was always one lap, right? Like yes. that was the thing. And the bonus was everything else you could do with it.
3: Yeah, it was for one lap, but also going to double as Sunday Cup and that was the the purpose of it for me was to um, get into Sunday Cup and have a track car that I could drive and gain some confidence in.
1: So that was your whole... I mean, I would I would ask, like, what was the point? Like, I, I get one lap. Well, that's awesome. But why... Other than the fact that it fits in Sunday Cup, what were you hoping to accomplish by going and running with those yahoos?
3: Well... Um, so I wanted, I wanted to have seat time and, um, it was becoming harder and harder for me to have seat time in the Miata just because of what it is. And it's not really, uh, fit for me and it's intimidating, <laughs> uh, cause it's like a very prepped track car. So the Mazda 2 for me was something, um, that I could work on myself first of all, um, and then also get a lot of seat time in and gain some confidence in my driving and that escalated very quickly to why not why not just do Sunday Cup? You'll fit right in and uh, you can do you'll be fine doing time attack. So that's how that happened. It was like I got it to track drive and then everybody was like, just come do Sunday Cup as, as somebody who
1: also as a when I when I started driving at NASA I got the same way people looked at me and they're like hey you can do time trial now cool here's put a transponder on your car and that was literally how I got my time trial certification in NASA <laughs> was they told me I was doing time trial and I felt like there's a when I watched you starting stuff I felt like there was a little bit of a parallel with that when everybody went hey Becky you're ready now you're doing Sunday Cup I'm not sure it was quite that forceful but it from the outside it almost looked like that
3: yeah um i guess i jumped on that bandwagon pretty quickly because everybody was like ah you'll be fine i was like well i don't have that much experience maybe i should hang out in HPDE." and uh, a lot of people said nah you'll be fine come play with us and i thought that sounded fun and i like all those sunday cuppers so i did
1: so you like all the sunday cuppers when you're hanging out, do you like all the Sunday Cuppers when they're driving around you?
0: Well, you're getting right to it, man.
1: Maybe, maybe a loaded question, but like this is something driving that's worth talking.
3: around me. Yes, <laughs> crashing out sessions. No.
1: What do you think about what happened in Sunday Cup this year? Because this is like this is a whole conversation to have, and I expect Sunday Cuppers to now come after me with pitchforks and whatnot. <laughs> but
3: um. So, I guess the best way I can put it is that um, I don't know if my I had unrealistic expectations or if something changed from last year to this year, but um, they're all fun to hang out with and I love driving around them and hanging out in the paddock and they made me feel super welcome and like an actual driver, like I had conversations with other Sunday cuppers where like... They didn't want to talk to Scott. They didn't come over to the paddock to talk to Scott. They came over to talk to me about what we had just done on track and, like, things that had happened and whatnot. And I love that. Um, I guess it is time attack, and it is meant to be competitive, but it was a lot more sendy than I thought it was going to be. Um, particularly um, – at autobahn i just <laughs> we had one full session and then we had um a rain session which was combined with all of time attack and uh that's just a whole another problem <laughs> rain sessions i wanted to get rain driving experience but um with all of the like time attack a cars out there it's just uh felt dangerous to me and i didn't enjoy it um and then the rest of our dry sessions, all of them got black flag from Sunday Cuppers crashing, and I was super disappointed.
1: I I wonder this is for this is for an after the show thing. I wonder if anybody has any numbers about how many Sunday Cup cars bonked themselves this year because the number seems ridiculously high, um, and it would kind of surprise me if they didn't have the largest number of wrecks of any, uh, time attack class. Scott's making a funny face at me.
0: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure I can put it down to the class. Uh, I can think of seven off the top of my head. That's too many. Um, incidents of Sunday cup cars, um, um, at least damaging something on the car from an off track excursion, if not outright um hitting a barrier or something like that. Like I can't I can't quite say that Sunday Cup was the, the wreckiest or what what whatever, like I, I don't even want to put that to it, but
1: um it wasn't stellar. But prior to this year Sunday Cup looked like a place to go have fun driving with your buddies. And then, as Becky said, it seemed like it got sandy, And that looked sketchy. From the outside, Sunday Cup looked sketchy this year. And I was watching Becky start to drive in an environment that didn't look like an environment I would want to drive in. And I'm very curious, I have been curious to ask you about that. Um, and, and you evolving as a driver at the same time the class appeared to be evolving?
3: Talk to me. Um, well, I didn't have any experience in Sunday Cup the year before um, other than just hanging around them. And um, so I can't really speak to that. Um, and I guess I didn't spend a lot of time talking about I did hang out in the paddock with Sunday cuppers, but um, I noticed I noticed some language this year that I hadn't noticed before of, like, um, well, first of all, at Autobahn, the podium finishers, two out of three of them crashed. <laughs> so it was kind of like a bin it to win it feeling there, at least. Um, I heard language of, like, I saw a gap, so I took it, which is normally heard in <laughs> GLTC. Um,
1: Shouldn't be heard in GLTC either, but that's That was thing. at Mid-Ohio, right?
3: That was at Mid-Ohio in the rain. Good God. Which was my first time driving there in the rain, and I did not have good feelings <laughs> after that. Uh, and I heard some, like, But did you die, though? (laughs) And some things that just didn't seem like the same Sunday Cup that I was hearing about from the year before.
1: If you had a chance to start the year over again, would you do Sunday Cup or HBD To have fun.
3: I don't know if I would... Do it differently. I think you learn something from whatever happens. Um, I'm going back to HPDE next year for my own driver development to um, have more track time and less competitive track time. Um, And to not have, hopefully not have track time cut short Um, because that's what I think is right for me. And I understand that, um, Sunday cup is a time attack class. So people are there to compete and win. Um, and I like, I like competing too, but, um, I don't think I can learn as much in that environment.
0: And I, I think we need to watch the language a little bit. You're not going back to HPD. You're moving to HPD advanced. It's not a back thing.
1: And as someone who made the exact same move with NASA, um, that's why I'm I'm sort of like picking around this um, because I ran time trial with NASA in the 2015-2016 season and ha- basically had a mirror-type experience with you in that at that point, NASA usually ran all the time attack cars together. And so I got about two clean laps before the TTU cars were catching up with me and they had like a 40 to 60 mile an hour closing speed. And it was just horrifying. And there was no way in that environment for me to improve as a driver and have a good time because I spent the entire time thinking I was going to die after two laps. Um, And so I, I walked myself back to someplace that I could and, and yes, Scott, I do feel like it was back because in NASA, that was a very much a ladder progression. And so in NASA, I was stepping myself back to a place where I could drive with people who were traveling a similar speed and had similar goals to me and progress as, as a driver. Um, and because the competition wasn't really what was important to me at that point, it was trying to become a better driver. And I just was not doing that in time trial
3: that's pretty much exactly how i feel about it too um and i know i did move very quickly from hpde to time attack and i just don't think that i'm ready for that yet
1: i agree and disagree with you and that i think your skill set and your awareness are appropriate for the class but that doesn't mean that you can achieve your goals in that environment
3: okay Fair enough. Thank you.
1: <laughs> because I don't want you to feel like you weren't like you weren't ready for it. Because I I really do think if your goal right now was like pure competition and chasing times and chasing people, you have the skill set to go drive with Sunday Cup and do that. But if that's not what you showed up for, then you're not going to feel like you're in the right place.
3: I guess it's a little of both because at the end of the weekend, I would. Um, consistently feel like, um, like my times were dropping by, by large amounts every session, but I never got to a point where it was like, um, trying to find the last little bits. And I just felt like I didn't have enough track time for that in a weekend.
1: You felt like you should have been going faster to start with?
3: No, I felt like I, um, could have gained more if I had more track time. So that's why, like, I'm not at the... Like, I've got a lot of um, time to find out there. Before And I... you
1: think you should be closer to your ultimate speed before you're out there with those guys?
3: I think it's more to my benefit to have more track time to whittle my time down.
1: Okay. And you're just going to get more laps in HPD than you are in, in Time Attack right now? Yes. Okay.
2: That was my other favorite part of Midwest Fest, though, is getting to cheer on Becky and to see the the seconds drop off her laps and, uh, you know, get to do the reverse role of what she does for Scott and I, that was, that was definitely another highlight of, of Midwest Fest.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I wanted to, to talk about too is the whole like actual team aspect because like our, our individual performances, you know, kind of came and went and, you know, we had some better weekends and some worse weekends for various reasons I think one thing I really appreciated, and it's like, you know, Becky and I have been doing this for, for a little while, but, you know, with with adding you, Brian, and, you know, getting Tim out there and getting Chandler out there at Mid-Ohio, like you just get to share the experience with more people. And, you know, it. I think it makes the lows a little higher, and it definitely makes the highs a lot higher for me
2: totally I I'm just thinking back in my mind how how the season ended if it was just me like if you guys you know it sucked not to have you guys at Lime Rock but people showed up and you know I made it through but god if I had gone through what I went through at Heartland without you guys all you guys there like that would have been a low low instead of like let's go hang out and have fun and we'll worry about this later so it definitely it has a huge impact on how you carry yourself uh you know through the weekend and then through to the next event for sure do you think to be devil's
1: advocate because like devil's advocate is what i do the the downside of that and i heard this in scott's voice when he didn't go to lime rock um is when you're part of a team like that there is there's those moments where you let people down where if it was just you and you didn't go to Lime Rock, you'd be like, "Man, it didn't show up, it's fine. But by not being there, you feel like you let people down. And so that means every upcoming event, instead of just going, I'm so tired and I don't want to be there, I have to go because I have to be part of the team because otherwise I let people down. Um, it's not what I was getting at. It's not yeah, that like- no, I. <laughs>
0: It's not like I was like, oh, man, I have to go to be there to take care of Brian. <laughs> no, it's like yeah. I, I, I was bummed not to be there, one, because it's Lime Rock and I really wanted to drive there. But two, it's like, I, yeah, I kind of felt like I was letting them down, but not in a I have to do this sort of way. It's in a we're better together sort
1: of way. But still, like if people depend on you, then you can disappoint them. Yeah,
2: that's fair yeah i i think i don't think i ever could have been disappointed with scott as he was supposed to be on family vacation the weekend of njmp and he's calling me before he's getting like on like ferries and like amusement rides and like making sure i'm good for the next session and uh checking my data and still being uh doing family duties so uh i think that 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 one weekend made up for the any lack of appearance on any other weekend
0: (laughs) yeah i need to be a little a little more careful with that <laughs> for I mean, because some of it, like we're literally standing in line waiting for a ride. So it's kind of, it's kind of easy. There were, there were some moments though that were like, hold on, the race is getting green flagged right now. Sort of moment. So <laughs> it sucked because like NJMP wasn't being live streamed. So we couldn't like go back and watch it. So like watching on Race Hero was like the only way, only way we could really do it. What um what was I guess in in your opinion, Brian, what was probably what were some of the benefits of being with the team and like maybe you have examples or whatever and then what were some drawbacks like um Seth was potentially mentioning?
2: Yeah, I mean, benefits are definitely information sharing um everything about like i mean just looking at your like everything i thought i was doing wrong at heartland when i looked at your data i was just like nope it's all the opposite of what i thought was going on so um you know just being able to talk out track stuff um you know moral support emotional support um just having people to share the pits with i forgot who was talking about how it's so important maybe it was another podcast i was listening to or maybe it was yours. You were interviewing someone. They're like, "It's so important where you paddock for the weekend," and it kind of is. Um, because I remember at Midwest Fest. Like we had such a good pit there with uh, Brian, um, and he was at Lime Rock. And other than him screaming my name as he was flying down the last turn on his bike, um, I never saw him the whole weekend. I was like, I can't wait for Lime Rock. I was like, Wow, that was a big bummer that we didn't get to hang out, um, at all. So like, you know, when you're on a team you're going to see the same faces. You're going to have that support in the paddock, which is huge when you're coming off track. Um, or if you need anything before you go on track, just having those extra hands there is, is invaluable. So I'd say negatives would be like what I was talking about earlier, like a little more pressure to perform. I feel like, cause if I go by myself and I don't do good, I can beat myself up about it, but I'm not letting anyone else down. I feel like when I go to an event and I'm tired and I know I'm not at my best, I feel like I still have the obligation to push through and, you know, do good as good as I can. When there's people, you know, watching, um, people that are on your team, sponsors, all that kind of stuff. Um, you feel like you need to overcome whatever difficulties you're going through and go out and put on a good performance. And if you don't, I would say it's a little more, impactful um, than it is if you're just by yourself um, when you have a team behind you when you don't perform as good. So I'd say that's probably, probably a negative.
1: Same question to Becky.
3: So I was wondering if the team aspect is different between GLTC and Time Attack. Like, um, I don't know, GLTC just seems like there's more of a discussion about it being a team, a team sport, um, whereas Time Attack didn't feel as much like that to me. Um, so I would say the downside of being a team for me it was hard. Um, Time Attack was usually put right before GLTC for live stream, which I totally get, but that meant that I was in Time Attack C or D immediately before a race. So um, I felt like I had to cut my time attack session short to help Brian and Scott get ready for the race. Um, It was just hard to manage all of that for me on weekends that I was also competing. Um, But definitely on the upside is that, uh, you know, I'm helping Scott get ready in the car and Um, supporting him as a driver, but then he would do that for me to help me look at data and help me get in the right mindset before my sessions and um, just getting in the car and the routine of getting ready to go out.
1: Did you feel any pressure inside your own head that, that made what you were doing feel like a less important part of the team than what the GLDC boys were doing?
3: Definitely, <laughs> especially <laughs> because I wasn't really like very competitive this year. Um, yeah, mostly so, because it was my so you'd, first year. So you'd feel
1: like like you cut your session two laps short so you can come in to help them because they were being competitive and you really weren't. Yeah. Okay.
3: That's I'm probably sorry. a personal problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say I don't. I didn't. Nobody asked me I, to do that. No, I didn't necessarily feel like that was coming from Scott, and that's what I was asking. Was no. that coming from you? Yes, okay.
3: one hundred percent
1: i don't I don't know what to say. Like you're smiling at me and I'm like, ah, oh, that's it makes me a little bit sad and uh, and also happy because you I feel like you missed out on something.
3: but like I could cut my session short. But Scott can't miss the warm-up lap for GLTC. It's a different
1: No, but what the I mean consequences is you, are different. What I mean is you missed I I feel like you missed that absolute focus that is that that is that five or six laps of of a time trial event when you are purely focused on yourself and your own performance. Sure. Um, that is, if there is a special part of time attack, it really is is that that selfishness where you're just where you are chasing a time for you. Um, and, and I think I did, that's a lot harder to do with what you were doing.
3: And I did have those sessions too. It wasn't every session that was right before GLTC. Probably half and half.
1: Okay. Did you like those sessions when it was like, go get it?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely felt different.
0: <laughs> and and I think that was something at least that I experienced um, at Mid-Ohio. Um, at Mid-Ohio was the fact that we had uh, Tim and Chandler both there uh, who could help, uh, help us and help Becky and like we could like do a whole lot of um, role switching and stuff like that, kind of take the load off. At least, at least that's how I felt.
3: Yeah, that was huge. That was a huge advantage. Um, and especially because I could, having people on the team that I trust to do things, which is very few people, um, but definitely the people that we have, like Tim and Chandler, um, I know that if I ask them to do something, then I don't have to worry about it. So that was a huge help. Um, if I had a session, I could hand things off to Tim and Chandler and then put it out of my mind. So that's definitely another huge aspect, benefit of having a team.
1: So that starts to be part of the team structure, whereas when you add a driver, you need to add support people. Um, yeah, for for sure, I think.
0: that's That was something that... Um, I think we realized at AMP for the first time because that's when Tim came down. And so we had Tim and Becky, Brian and I, and Becky wasn't driving that weekend, nor was Tim. And so all of a sudden Brian and I both had a dedicated helper who, um, crew person, engineer, you know, chief, what, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call them. Um, and that they could both double up on one car if need be or switch roles and stuff like that. And it it became pretty clear um, at that first event of how much of an assistance and how much help that was to focus. And I think that only really kind of came back into play because we all drove at Midwest Festival. Becky drove at Autobahn. And then I think not again for us until mid-Ohio when it was Becky and I, and I had three students that weekend and Tim and Chandler both came. Um, so again, we had two people to two race cars or four people to two race cars was, uh, was pretty big.
1: You all need to find more friends. <laughs> it's a fact. It's a fact. Well, that's-
2: scott said sent emmett down to me at lime rock and man what a difference it made because i had gotten used to having tim at new jersey and then i went to lime rock and i was kind of approaching it like you just go to casual hpde and it was not working with all the chaos of filling throttle bodies and all that and just having someone there it's crazy and you go from and in a short time i've gone from doing hpdes to this is like basically it seems like it's beyond grassroots racing now, but it's uh it's you, you look back and you're like, how the hell was I doing this by myself? Even the simplest of things of, you know, tire pressures or, you know, making sure the dog has water or like just the smallest things that you're not thinking of because you're talking to a million people. And, um, you know, you just forget the details when someone is there doing that for you, man, it makes it makes a huge difference. And you wonder how you do it without them. So yeah, having Tim and Emmett and and Chandler and any anyone else who Seth who's come yeah. along to multiple adventures this this year. It I was about it, to
0: say at Heartland we kind of had that again. We had Becky not driving. We had Seth, and we also paddocked, uh with the rest of the GLTC Miatas, and next to Nick and Chris as well. So it was like if you need something like you just look down the road and you're like, Oh yeah, that person. And you yell and they're like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's it.
3: Yeah. Yep. I mentioned this to Scott as well at Heartland, having Seth there because, um, in the race where Brian got crashed into the wall, I was very relieved to hand that off to Seth <laughs> because uh-huh. I knew that Scott was going to need, um, to be updated and to, Because it was Brian that crashed, and he knew it, that Scott needed my attention. Um, But I also wanted to make sure that Brian was taken care of. So I went and found Seth and said, Seth, (laughs) something happened to Brian. He needs you. And then I turned my attention back to Scott.
1: I just said, okay, and I literally did nothing.
0: I was about to say, you were. we have it on the podcast. I'm not sure that one hasn't been updated, but you definitely did the dad like, I just got a phone call. My kid like broke their arm. There's nothing I can do until the car gets back to Paddock, so we're going to keep talking.
2: Which is funny because that's exactly the situation I was in, and I felt like the dad at uh, Gateway when when Seth didn't come back from his second uh, flying lap when Tim's like, it's Seth. And I was like, oh my God. And had the exact, exact opposite scenario going on there. So.
3: But even though you did nothing, I didn't have to think about what to do for Brian. And that was a huge help.
1: <laughs> no, I just carried the emotional baggage. I didn't physically do anything. You just unloaded the emotional baggage on me. I took it. I carried it back to, back to Paddock.
3: I feel like I do that to you a lot and it helps. That's fine. Thanks. That's what I'm here for. It's Thanks, good. Seth.
0: You, let, let's be honest. You didn't carry shit. You let that roll off your duck wax back and we're like, yeah, this is how I'm dealing
1: with it. I, I, I picked it up and dragged it back behind me. Eventually I did let it fall on the ground. You, I was like, you stay over there. Yeah. I was I'll about to say you, you,
0: you knew where it was, but you were like, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's going to be over there. Did not let it weight me down at all. No, it's fair.
0: Um, well, let's talk next year. I know it's a little murkier for Brian. So we'll, we'll end with Brian um, because murkiness is kind of what we do anyway. Um, And Becky kind of already talked, but um, I'm going to ask Becky a question, even though we're awkwardly sharing a headset here Um, is, so you've talked about going from like HPD beginner, even though you weren't really a beginner, but, the beginner group into Sunday club time attack, and you're going to go to advanced HPDE. What are your hopes, uh, concerns and lessons that you've learned this year that you're going to carry into next year?
3: So my hopes would be um, for driver development to have more seat time um to have more seat time that's dedicated, that won't get cut short, um, that even in the rain will just be my designated session. Um, Hopefully won't be uh, just before or after GLTC, but that's don't know about that yet, Um, so that I can focus on my own driver development. my fears would be that in advance, I will be with cars that have a lot more horsepower and will just be looking in my mirrors the whole time. Um, but I think that'll be okay. I'm fine with, you know, the great part about that is um, I can point people, those people by and not have to lift. So it won't affect either of our times, hopefully. <laughs> um, but that is a concern. Um yeah, I guess that's all. Is there another part to that?
0: You, you you keep mentioning that seat time is important. What what about seat time are you wanting? Because just getting seat time is uh, it's vague.
1: It's big. It's, it's a big idea. But Scott's what- wrong. He, Scott needs more seat time, and he doesn't like to admit the fact that he should just Me? spend more time in the seat and not just... Like Scott should go to more events for him to drive around. No, I. This is- I, I don't think you're wrong about that at all.
3: <laughs> I guess more specifically, what I want is um, if it rains, I want to have rain driving experience that's not um, a clusterfuck. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good luck.
3: Can I can I say that on this show? Um, Absolutely. Okay, so um, I'm hoping that if it rains, it won't be just mixed session of throw everybody in. Um, So I'm hoping to have more rain driving time with my appropriate class. (laughs) Uh, I'm hoping to have more full sessions so that um, I think usually what I've found is that I... Shave time off towards the end of the session, like it just keeps ticking down. Um, but in order to do that, full sessions are helpful. Um, yeah, so I guess my seat time would be rain driving and full sessions.
1: Do you need more quality laps where you can focus on you like mentally? focus on yourself
3: that is what i want
1: yeah it's really it's so so racing when i would when i would race especially do endurance races when sonya was on the track it was super hard to focus on laps when i could look across the track and see something that grabbed my attention that was my own kid on the track and so it's it's surprising how just a little bit of pulling yourself out of the moment can really affect Like it doesn't take much to pull yourself out of the the moment and really affect your lap times.
3: Yeah. And I can see, I was thinking about that when we were talking about um, cutting my session short for GLTC because it's not just cutting off a few laps. It's looking at the clock every lap to see if I should go in this lap or, you know, weighing all those decisions in addition to trying to drive
1: yeah you can never immerse yourself in it because normally it's you can just drive around until you see the white flag like you don't have to count laps yeah you can just go and then they throw you know they're like blast lap and then checkers and you're like cool i did the thing yeah um and if you have to pay attention yourself it really does pull you out of the moment
3: yeah and i didn't think about that at the track but thinking about it now that makes a lot of sense
1: your your driver coach should have been talking to you about that. Same. I
3: didn't tell him about those things.
1: <laughs> Which leads us into
0: the second point. Always be open and honest with your coach. Um because they can't help you with what they don't know. Right, Brian? Good, coach.
1: Good coaching. Um, um Brian, Brian Prime. Yeah, go. Brian Brian. Next next year. It's you and I have talked you. about this. Extensively, but I want to know what you're going to tell Scott. Oh, what? What the hell, you? Guys...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Brian, and I've kind of Brian and I've kind of talked, but yeah, you guys have been hanging out like the last 48 hours.
2: Seth put a lot of ideas in my head over the weekend. Only some oh, of them had idea.
1: motorcycles in them.
2: Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a big. Honestly, I'm glad we waited to have this podcast because I feel like I just looked at a calendar today and I'm like, it's been a month exactly since the Friday of Heartland. And I feel like I'm just getting my mind back from the event. It's been yeah. an interesting month. Yeah. And, and I
0: want to be clear, you have a broken race car right now, um, like frame rails not pointing in. Well, they're both pointing in the same direction, but they're not pointing straight ahead. Um, you, you got you got broken stuff so
2: yeah there's 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 broken things to handle but you know when something is that broken um you kind of stop and think about what you want to do but then also well, where why are you in the situation how did you get here and for me not really ever having clear goals of like having to win anything it was just like go out and drive wheel to wheel it was like, did I do that? Like, is that checked off? Can I go do something else now? Or do I really want to fix this car, but go about the season next year differently or do less events? Um, So for me right now, it's, I'm thinking do more variety of events and it'll be interesting to see how the grid life endurance thing opens up and other formats and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I think Seth put, you know, some good, um, you know, perspective into my head about like, and when I was kind of thinking it, and it was like the car should be fixed, like first and foremost, like it would be a shame to just say, this is it based on someone else's actions to end up in this scenario. Like if I bend it, um, like I could, I could make the call, but it doesn't seem right to not fix the car based on. The way someone else decided to drive i think the car needs to be fixed um and then from there just kind of take that step and then when it is fixed kind of reevaluate see where in the year it is um see what events are going to show up on the the good life schedule but um kind of evaluate that along with what i used to do which was just going and exploring new tracks um i'd really like to get up to the northwest i keep seeing all these amazing photos of mountains in the backgrounds of racetracks up there and uh i keep seeing all these like there's a new league up there called lucky dog i'd like to go if anyone's listening to this that does lucky dog i'm looking for a seat heard uh, heard really good things
0: about lucky dog
2: i have too that's actually where my uh rally car ended up if uh anyone's familiar with the podcast we did before and the history of how i got into gltc the car i started in gltc now runs in lucky dog up there in the northwest so um I put a bug in those guys ears. I was like, looking for a driver. I'll come drive it again. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to, I've started to do lemons races, which is like kind of the opposite of GLTC, which I have just really enjoyed the casualness, um, of that. Um, and just doing more variety, like obviously one lap, um, which has nothing to do with my car, but just kind of looking at the realm and variety of motorsports and trying to do, a little bit more because this season, you know, I sold the rally car. Um, I stopped supermoto racing. I stopped everything and I just did GLTC and I just did this car. That was all I did. So I think I just kind of want to open it back up a little bit and see what opportunities, um, present themselves and possibly other leagues. Um, and then when the car is fixed in grid life, look at the schedule and see where I might be able to to fit back into the swing of things. But I think reevaluating my goals and what I'm trying to get out of it before I do that.
0: Yeah. Because it, it does seem like, I mean, part of what makes you, you is exploration and like having new experiences. And even if like it's in the same car or doing the same sport, like you're still trying to do it in a different place, at least like, trying to find like the weird local touristy spots and like food places that are nearby and stuff like that. Like that's that, I mean, that, as I learned from Nick Coors, that's apparently what made you famous. Uh, <laughs> so, so many years ago.
2: Oh yeah. Shout out to those guys. I mean, if they weren't at the track, they were, they were helping me every weekend this year. They were basically part of our team. Like, can't thank him and especially chris kavar enough for uh bailing me out multiple times and making the car function so but yeah you know it's weird it's like i've kind of like toned down on social media and stuff and then when i listen to that podcast about nick it's like because nick saw all the crap that i posted online that encouraged him to go out and do the amazing things that he's done so it kind of keeps you wanting to still be you know even if your race car was smashed into a wall it's like and I talked to Scott about, it. it's like, I would be happy just like showing up at, at events and being part of the team and like helping out in any way I can to just still be at events. And, you know, Nick's like, maybe, Hey, maybe you can drive my car next year and stuff like that. So like, still be part of the community, but maybe just look at it in a different way or be open to that. Um, not being strictly tied to the car itself. And as a GLTC driver, like maybe there's other ways I can be part of the the gang and hang out and have fun still. So We'll see him kind of open to anything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: And uh, full disclosure, he uh, does have a, a waiting seat for him. We're we're keeping an extra bike around to run a, a B team in endurance this year. And uh, so, you know, just saying. Yeah. If he's missing some weekend and uh, there's a motorcycle race going on, I might know where he is.
0: I, I like how Seth is telling us this. Like, he hasn't told me already before. <laughs> I'm it's just like, saying. you know, I'm going to try to. Sabotage
1: Brian. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna try to enrich his life. Steal it. <laughs>
0: I get so it. I'm
3: gonna try to steal him.
1: Yeah, a little bit.
0: Yeah. See, I thought it was more go karts, which I really want to do. Uh, do you actually still have me.
1: that go kart? No, I I sold them when I the last time after I dislocated a rib, oh. I sold one of them to my buddy, and then um the other one got sold later. So no, I'm. I'm done with go-karting, although I'm trying to find Brian a seat for endurance go-karting as well. So you That's know fair. just saying. That's fair. Cool.
0: Well here we are. <laughs> here we are, all um, four of us. Also, yeah, I mean we've we've mentioned Nick, but I think it it has to go to say that Tim Miller has gone a huge way of helping us from the shadows of the internet and of Timness. Uh, with Arrow set up brain thinking things.
3: Moral support. Yeah.
0: Um, Tim's been vital for Becky and I for years now and um, important uh, once once Brian officially came on board and and Chandler's been kind of a, just kind of a no brainer addition that trying to get his me out of done but um, just, again, enjoy. This is less of, like, a team, like, let's all drive and see how fast we can go and, like, how much we can win and more of, like, hey, we like hanging out with you. Uh, why don't you paddock with us and we'll kind of do things together and kind of make the the whole thing a little more tolerable on, on the bad days and uh, a little bit louder celebration on the good days.
1: And I do hope to... I have a a conscious intention of uh attending more events uh, my life may open up quite a bit in yes. later next year and then I will be able to actually plan for things rather than just yes. sh- deciding three days beforehand I can show up um and then once I can plan on things then I can disappoint you so dope
0: <laughs> just like you do every <laughs> week <Uh-oh>. oh, oh. <laughs> oh it's getting feisty okay well brian what um remind people of any links or socials that uh, they might want to check you out on
2: yeah i'm uh people like to say i drop photo bombs or i i I just i'm really bad about instagram i I just post all at once so if you're really a fan of seeing like an entire year's worth of posts at one time i'm at defreeze d-e-f-r-e-e-s on instagram And uh, I'm on Facebook, Brian DeFreeze on there. You'll find me. I'm friends with Scott and Seth and Becky. Becky?
3: On Instagram, I'm Yah underscore Becky underscore Polly. That's Y A H underscore Becky underscore Polly. It's mostly pictures of my house, the house that Becky built, but it's slowly getting more race car posts. And I'm on Facebook. Scott tags me all the time. So that's easy to find me
0: yeah and uh we're at track walking podcast on things and stuff uh track walking chats is the group uh which apparently the 10 tense guys have kind of tried to pit our friends and our our people against their people and things
1: i'm okay with arch
0: enemies we should do that around cereal though which seems kind of silly yeah whatever but it's uh it it's a thing though. Hit hit that red button up there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, um yeah, checks out. We'll be we'll be here next week and I've actually got a topic for next okay. week. Okay. So I'm Scott. I'm Seth.
3: I'm Becky. And
2: I'm Brian.
0: And we're track walking. We'll talk to you next week.